Jewish holidays are biblical holidays. They're either the Levitical Feast of the Lord, such as Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles, or they're celebrations of great victories in Jewish biblical history, such as the holidays of Purim and Hanukkah. Purim commemorates the great deliverance of the Jewish people in the book of Esther. During Purim, children and sometimes even adults wear costumes because Queen Esther was hidden and disguised in the king's palace. Purim is wholesome, unlike Halloween, which turns children into witches and goblins. Hanukkah, on the other hand, is a winter festival that sometimes coincides with Christmas. The Hanukkah holiday is prophetically and increasingly significant. And today, I want to explain why all believers should understand the prophetic significance of Hanukkah. Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. Jewish holidays help to bring the Bible to life. While many Christians in the West prepare to celebrate Christmas, in Israel, Hanukkah is a wintertime festival that's sometimes called the Feast of Dedication because it commemorates the rededication of the Second Temple in Jerusalem at the time of the Jewish revolt against a wicked king of Syria. The name Hanukkah derives from the Hebrew verb to dedicate. Because at Hanukkah, the Maccabean Jews regained control of Jerusalem and rededicated their temple. So can you see today how regaining control of their capital of Jerusalem and the dedication of another Jewish temple would be very significant prophetically to the Jewish people? In fact, each year at Hanukkah, religious Israelis move ever closer to the time when they can build and dedicate their third temple. By faith, already now they're preparing the sacred olive oil that will be needed for the temple's golden lampstand, the menorah, and other implements of temple worship. Hanukkah is sometimes also called the Festival of Lights, because during the eight days of the holiday, Jewish families light a candle each night to commemorate the miracle of light in the rededicated temple. And what was that miracle? Well, after the cleansing of the temple, there had not been enough oil to burn for the menorah. But nevertheless, miraculously, the temple oil multiplied for eight days. And that's why a Hanukkah menorah, called a Hanukkiah, is different from the seven-branched temple menorah. The Hanukkah menorah has nine branches, eight branches to represent the miraculous eight days of light, and a ninth branch is called the servant candle to light all the wicks of the other eight branches. The Jewish Talmud recorded that after the temple was purified, the wicks of the menorah miraculously kept burning, and so the miracle of the oil is the reason or the excuse for why Hanukkah cuisine specializes in yummy foods fried in oil, such as potato lackeys and jelly-filled donuts called sufganiyot. During Hanukkah, religious Jews recite the halal prayer and sing hymns, beseeching God to restore the house of prayer and the temple altar 
so that thanksgiving offerings can be made once again to God. Hanukkah is such a high point in the Jewish calendar that it's become an occasion when Jewish people exchange gifts. The Hanukkah miracle is chronicled in the book of the Maccabees, which is not found in the Hebrew Bible today. But the Maccabees were included in the Septuagint, which was the standard translation of the Hebrew Bible during the Hellenistic period. Hanukkah is a memorial to an event that took place in what we call the Intertestament period, around the year 165 BC. Hanukkah celebrates the victory of the Jewish people over a blasphemer who desecrated the second Jewish temple. And the blasphemer villain was the Syrian king Antiochus, who brazenly gave himself the title Epiphanes meaning God made manifest. But in a wordplay on his self-appointed title of Epiphanes, Antiochus's contemporaries called him Epimanus, meaning the mad or the insane one. He was a maniac. Like Adolf Hitler, Antiochus was a delusional blasphemer because he persecuted the Jews and thought he could wipe out Judaism from the world. Antiochus tried to eliminate the Jewish community through the introduction of Hellenistic cults, and he severely persecuted Jews who refused to bend to his agenda. In seeking to force Greek culture on the Jews, Antiochus was following the intentions of Alexander the Great, and due to this overwhelming Hellenistic culture, the region was speaking Greek by the time of Jesus. In fact, the New Testament was written in Koine Greek and spread quickly because so many people throughout the empire knew Greek. Well, Antiochus invaded Jerusalem. He plundered the temple treasures and defiled the Holy of Holies of the temple by erecting an altar to Zeus. And to further blaspheme the God of Israel, he offered a pig on the altar. In fact, he polluted the whole sanctuary, sprinkling it with water boiled with pork. He turned the temple chambers into brothels in more deliberate calculation to dishonor the God of Israel and to wipe out the Jewish religion. Antiochus killed thousands of Jews and sold many others into slavery. He made a crime punishable by death to circumcise a child or to own a copy of the Torah. According to 1 Maccabees chapter 1, Antiochus executed families whose sons had been circumcised, and they hung the infants from their mother's necks. All of these horrific events triggered the Maccabean revolt because the Judeans insisted on clinging to God and His commandments, and they refused to bend to pagan rituals. 1 Maccabees chapter 1 also records that many in Israel stood firm and were resolved in their hearts not to eat unclean food. They chose to die rather than profane the Holy Covenant or be defiled by prohibited food. Antiochus enacted a law requiring all citizens to present themselves four times a year to pay tribute to him as the senior regional god. And the day chosen for these periodic submissions? Of course, the Sabbath. So the revolt to restore Jewish worship began in 167 BC 
and was led by the Hasmonean family of Jewish priests. In the early days of their rebellion, one of the priests named Judah received the now famous surname Maccabee. Several explanations have been put forward for his title. One suggestion is that the name Maccabee derives from the Hebrew word for sledgehammer because of Judah's ferocity in battle. The rabbis say it's also possible that the name Maccabee is an acronym for Judah's battle cry from Exodus 15.11. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Well, I believe it's a loss today that most Christians haven't been taught anything about the faith and courage of the Maccabees. In medieval Christian art, Judah Maccabee was regarded as one of the heroes of the Hebrew Scriptures. The 17th century artist Peter Paul Rubens painted Judah Maccabee praying for the dead to illustrate an episode from 2 Maccabees in which Judah's troops found stolen idolatrous charms on the corpses of Jewish warriors. And Judah offered prayers to remit their sins of idolatry because they had died in a state of sin. Well, 2 Maccabees was in everyone's Bible at the time of the Reformation and had already been declared as part of the canon by the Catholics, the Orthodox, and the Egyptian Coptic Christians. But it was removed by Protestant reformers. One of the most beautiful chapels in the world that I saw a couple of years ago is dedicated to the Maccabees in the St. Pierre Cathedral in Geneva, Switzerland. I simply believe the Maccabees were true heroes of biblical proportions. Bible scholars teach that Antiochus was a prototype of every Antichrist to come, including the penultimate Antichrist, Hitler, and the ultimate Antichrist of the future. God raised up the Maccabee family to lead a revolt to spare the people of Israel. Hitler was destroyed by the Allies, and the future Antichrist will be destroyed by Jesus himself at his second coming. Some Christians today ask if it's legitimate for Christians to celebrate Hanukkah. I think it's interesting that by New Testament times, the relatively new Jewish festival of Hanukkah was nevertheless mentioned in John chapter 10. The verse says, Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Why do you suppose the New Testament makes reference to Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication. Well, not only does John chapter 10 validate the festival biblically for Christians, but many scholars believe that Hanukkah was the actual time of the Lord's conception, the moment in time when the light of the world became incarnate in the virgin's womb. If Jesus was born during the Feast of Tabernacles, which many scholars believe, then nine months earlier, his conception would have been likely at Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication. And it would be very appropriate for the light of the world to enter this world in the virgin's womb at the Festival of Light. Some believers balk at celebrating Christmas because they don't believe that Jesus was born on December the 25th. In fact, many believe December 25 is a man-made holiday but celebrating Hanukkah in the wintertime not only honors God's keeping power 
of the Jewish people in their important deliverance during the days of the Maccabee warriors, but it may also be the very time to celebrate when the Savior of the world became incarnate. That within itself is worthy of study. But what we're looking at today is the cause of the Maccabean revolt, the evil leader Antiochus Epiphanes, and how he fulfilled prophecy, and how he was a prototype of the dangerous Antichrist to come. Always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Dar. Shalom and Maranatha.